0: Good morning. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to the January 26, 2016 edition of Ask a Leader. Today we're going to make foreign affairs our fair, as we'll hear from Beryl Smith and Herbert Fisher, congregants at St. Mark's Presbyterian Church in Newport Beach, which is now underway with their presenting The Great Decision Series Weekly starting, as we said last night, and continuing through March 14th. Then, during the second half, that we'll be hearing from Ali Shakari, Iranian-American activist, who returns to the show about his latest pursuits in bringing parties together along the Iranian and American divide. He opens up our conversation on more than two fronts, those two fronts, so we won't even take a short break because we already took the break, so I want to welcome you to the show. My first guests are... Beryl Smith and Herbert Fisher, both congregants at St. Mark's Presbyterian Church in Newport Beach, who bring the Great Decisions Forum, the focus of this part of the show, to this part of the world. Beryl Smith completed her B.A. in Philosophy, Religion, and Psychology at DePoe University and her graduate degree at Union Theological Seminary in New York City. As a church office administrator back in the day in Mississippi, she brushed with greatness with the likes of Fannie Lou Hamer. She's managed many nonprofit organizations, including YWCA and Planned Parenthood, served as a legislative aide in Maryland House of Delegates and worked with other faith-based lobbyists on a broad range of issues. She's traveled extensively in Asia, Europe, and the Middle East. Upon joining St. Mark's Presbyterian Church, she became involved in its Peace and Justice Commission, which sponsors great decisions. My next guest is Herbert Fisher, now a retired superintendent of the San Bernardino County Public Schools with 40 years of service in public education. Over his career, he has bridged the divides of management, labor and race for which those communities have honored him with numerous accolades. Herbert Fisher joined PACE, that's policy analysis of California education as a consultant and as part of the California support team for the introduction and implementation of the America Diploma Project within California. He serves on the State Superintendent Jack O'Connell's California P-16 Council and was the Chair of Statewide Fiscal cris- Crisis Management and Assistance Team to help California's local educational agencies fulfill their financial and management responsibilities. Most recently, California State University Chancellor Charles Reed appointed him the Chair of the Cal State University Educational Doctoral Advisory Committee. Herbert Fisher earned his undergraduate degree in business administration from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and his teaching credential, master's degree, and doctorate from the University of California, Riverside. Both Mer- Beryl Smith and Herbert Fisher join me in studio. Welcome both of you to the program. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. I am glad you're here because it the foreign affairs really are our own affair. and. That was certainly pointed out last night. You launched last year's Decisions with a sizable turnout at St. Mark's, typical of your program, you told me. So why don't both of you tell us about the origins of the Great Decisions program and who the Foreign Policy Association is?
1: As the Foreign Policy Association has a, uh, a long history of activism in the area of educating the American public regarding foreign policy issues Affecting our country. It started in 1918 Um, It's a non-profit organization It was interesting um, that it played a role in supporting President Woodrow Wilson in his efforts to put the League of Nations in place and uh, Basically started at that same time. It was a forerunner to the World Affairs Councils Um, Its major outreach is the Foreign, uh, the World, the greater, Great Decisions Program, which uh, started in 1954. Um, it is the largest nonpartisan public education program on international affairs in our country. There's over a half a million participants in this program of Great Decisions. It's a program that is initiated through churches, through um, senior citizens Group, service clubs, schools, universities throughout the country.
0: Mr. Uh, Herbert Fisher, could I just uh, interject here uh, with the question though? Some people might want, in the back of their minds, they want to know, is there any kind of partisan, any particular kind of agenda with which this association is aligned?
1: No agenda um, is nonpartisan, is non-profit, and uh, endeavors to bring um, factual material to the public. You know, we, we have a, a very interesting history in our country, and we see it right now in, oh, yeah. this, in the campaign with a lot of talk, but uh, oftentimes not sub, not much substance in terms of what's being said about particular issues. That's uh, the foref-
0: biggest blight I think I've ever seen since I've been voting in the 70s.
1: Our forefathers realized that if we didn't have an educated uh, electorate, that we would lose our democratic pr- uh, practices and, and principles. Um, if you take a look that in the in the 2012 election, only 54% of the electorate voted. Uh, when uh, researchers have asked people about what they knew about this latest crisis in Ukraine, only two in five people could identify where Ukraine was. And they determined mm. that those that didn't were more prone to ed- advocate putting boots on the ground. So there's a real, it's very important that we have programs so people can understand what issues our country are facing.
0: Out of the black and white into the nuance where you were in spades last night. Yeah. Beryl, you want to add to that?
2: They also have figured out that only about one in three could name the three branches of government. So I think civic education as well as education in Geography and Global Affairs has been slipping somewhat. So this program really does a lot to bring it closer to where people live and help them understand
0: what policies need to be considered. And we'll, we'll break it down in the, the list of policies and priorities that are that bandied about here. But I, I'd like to first find out, so these are happening all over the country. Are they in venues, as you were saying, Herbert Fisher, about partly in churches, but it's in all kinds of forms? Yeah, Could it be I, in somebody's uh, large it, living room, maybe?
1: That, that's exactly right. Uh, we're, we've had folks come our, to our program and say, we'd like to take this to our neighborhood. We'd like to take it to our senior citizens group. So it's a, it's a very open opportunity. And yet, the format is very restricted in terms of the eight topics that we're covering this year at St. Mark, and the same topics that are being covered all over the country.
0: All right. Well, may this, I, may yes. I add go ahead. Something.
2: This is kind of has a, 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 a two-way uh, street here. The participants from the previous year are asked what topics they think okay. might be the focus of the coming year. So you have some input uh, as part of the program. In what the topics will be, and then also, um, you get to fill out an opinion ballot after each session, that has questions on your understanding of the of the session and of the topic, and those answers go back to the Foreign Policy Association, are tabulated, and are sent and shared with the White House, the State Department, wow. and Congress. So. There is feedback because members who attend these sessions tend to be among the more informed members of the community. And so um, there's a lot of research done on those opinion polls when they
0: go back to FPA. Okay, so there's lots of homework and lots of feedback. Both of those things make this so invigorated. Well, let's talk about the topics. Um, oh, well, before the topics, let's talk about how how St. Mark's got started in this program. Was that with you, Barry when you joined the congregation? It was already there. Okay. Um, I told a little story last night. Okay. I, I'd like to repeat
3: Please. it. Do, do, do. All
2: right. This was, we think, our 25th year of holding great decisions. And the story that I told last night was that once upon a time... A young Lebanese girl named Suad living in a mountain village near the city of Sidon wanted to go to school. Her father taught her to read and her mother came into an inheritance that enabled her to spend the money to send her daughter to a missionary girl's school in Sidon. She graduated with top honors from that school and she went on to the American Missionary School in Beirut. She graduated from that school and got a scholarship to another university. She ended up earning her PhD, believe it or not. She married, she became faculty at American University, and she moved to Orange County. She joined St. Mark Church and suggested that perhaps they might want to start a Great Decisions program. So this young Lebanese girl with this inspiring story was the spark plug about 25 years ago for the beginning of our Great Decisions program at St. Mark. And I think that that's very fitting and quite a tribute to her. But it's been a wonderful thing for the community of Newport Beach and St. Mark Church.
0: Reminding us of how literacy gets a lot going, a lot started and sustained so much. Amen. Well, for those of you who've just joined us, we're talking about the Great Decisions program at now at uh, ongoing on monthly night series at St. Mark's Presbyterian Church. My guests that are presenting it are Beryl Smith and Herbert Fisher, both congregants at St. Mark's here on Ask Leader at 88.9 FM. Uh, I, I, yes. I'd like to add that, yes.
1: that it's very important to note that the the public is invited. This is not yes. This is not a religious program. It's not started with a prayer. There's no benediction. It's a recognition of all faiths. Non-believers are welcome. It's a discussion about this topic. Our church and our congregation believes it's important to have this discussion and, and make it open for everyone.
0: And the perspectives are open. I want to sort of weigh in, in my casual sort of observation that you had a, a range of people with different backgrounds proclivities and what what priorities need to take place and with an unabashed wish to make sure that under uh, estimated or uh, sort of under emphasized priorities were given more airing so that so let's talk about then the eight different Topics that are covered—they're huge—and you do you do it every Monday nights from seven to eight thirty is where you're doing. We'll, we'll give folks too, more of the information on how to get there. But let's talk about it. last night was shifting alliances in the Middle East, and Beryl introduced the speaker, an academic, and you can just say quickly a little bit of uh, what he brought to it, and then just sort of an example of how that night takes place, so people know what their role is, how they're preparing, and uh, what they engage in at this forum.
2: All of our leaders are volunteers, I want to say that, first of all, and we were privileged last night to have a professor from UCI, a doc- Dr. Daniel Werenfenning, who is the executive director here of the Olive Tree Initiative Program and of the Certificate Program on Conflict Analysis and Resolution. And it was a privilege to hear from him, he travels extensively in the Middle East particularly in Israel-Palestine and Jordan, and is in touch with the State Department and the White House on the topic of the Middle East. So we felt that he would be a very good leader for our program, and I think he brought a lot to the topic and that people really enjoyed it.
0: And, and he was a resource. That First, he gives a, a pretty heavy presentation about what's going on. It was very, very current, uh, and then the each table... Of uh, ten, roughly, and there were over two hundred people. I estimated.
2: Well, let me let me back up a little bit. We ask our leaders to make opening remarks. Okay. And uh, then we have there's a, a fabulous DVD that the Foreign Policy Association puts together, and most people buy a briefing book, which with each which has an extensive article on each subject. So people come prepared, and our leaders then pull out the main points from the article add other materials, we show the DVD, and then there are questions that we ask the tables to consider. So, in round tables of of 8 to 12 or 13 people, some very lively discussions occur, because you're right. We have people from different faiths and no-faith people, different different political backgrounds, people who have traveled extensively or have not. There's really a wide variety of experiences in the room.
1: Now, Claudia, it, it's interesting. This particular year, I think we have just a wonderful array of presenters. Um, Dr. Robert Smith is going to be with us next week on ISIS, has extensive background in working in international issues, followed that by uh, Fahoud Darwish, who was uh, was born in Baghdad, who was a physician that practiced in the He's North. He's Kurdish. North Africa. He's he's uh, Kurdish. Uh, he serves. Uh, he served as the president of the Council of Kurdish uh, in North America, uh, and I, it, it just goes on and on. The folks that have come forward to be able to to speak and to uh, share their thoughts, and as you s- pointed out, to p- to allow people t- to form their own opinions, not to develop an opinion. Right. It was open and open for Very much
0: so. (laughs) (laughs) So, that shifting alliances in the Middle East, Dr. Smith is from where, who's presenting next week? Okay, we'll give it a consideration there. (laughs) The future of Kurdistan, as you were mentioning, that Dr. Darwish will present. The fourth will be international migration, fifth Korean choices, the sixth will be UN's post-2015 development agenda and leadership, Uh, seventh is the climate geopolitics, the road to Paris and beyond. So climate change, uh, I don't know how you're going to fit. I don't know how all of these get uh, handled in an <laughs> hour and a half, but I guess there's marching orders. But we'll, we'll talk about that, the marching orders. And then finally, it's Cuba and the U.S. So these are all term papers, or these are all year-long courses that um, you're counting on everybody to be prepared. And uh, are there any ground rules? I was just wondering when I was seeing the interactions. Uh, do, pe- do people know... This sort of the ground rules for engaging around the tables, or is it they're, they're just sort of the DNA of those that come uh, know what it is that they uh, need to bring well, in we, terms of demeanor? We, we, and
1: we, we encourage mutual respect. Uh, last night, Beryl pointed out to follow the golden rule, to be uh, courteous and to listen. This is not a forum to develop the solution. It's a forum to allow people to gain insights in terms of decisions that our country is making,
2: I think it's very, very important that we emphasize that everyone respect each other and that everyone have a chance to participate. So yes, we do try to emphasize what we call the the sometimes I call them the holy manners, but uh, re- respect and everyone being treated and given a chance to participate.
1: So what did you two get out of last night? Well, I, I would say first of all, uh, you know, we began working on this last summer. Okay. And gathered the speakers and ordered the books and got the facilities put together. So we're never quite sure who's going to show up. So as you pointed out, we had the largest group we've ever had. We anticipate that that group will stay with us. They did last year. Okay. Um, which is quite a commitment when you th- when you think about, th- and this is not a course. Nobody's getting credit for this. This is an opportunity for them to make the decision whether they're going to watch TV, uh, stay home, go to dinner, or be with us. And our experience has been for the last, we've been working on this for the last four years, that we generate um, a great deal of interest that sustain through eight weeks. So I, from my standpoint, uh, I think it was a wonderful start. I think that the presentation was a great kickoff for our efforts.
0: And the program, after everyone breaks into groups and discusses the questions, major questions, and I can give some examples. These are discussion questions. How do you think the Iran nuclear deal will affect regional political dynamics? And will the economic empowerment, a Shia majority, Iran, further deepen the regional sectarian divide? That was one of four there and the ending in the in light of the aftermath of the Arab Spring, with many countries reverting back to reactionary authoritarian regimes. Do you support democracy promotion abroad? And uh, adds on to that question. So after then all of these tables are. Confer- they had probably about I don't know about half an hour, and then the leader was asked. All the Tree Initiative professor was asked to have individuals stand up and talk about. Of the seven priorities that he posted over the overhead projection, what would what you could only pick two priorities as was a sort of a um, a prag an understanding of what the limits of leadership are in addressing too many complicated things at once, and whether those priorities would uh, uh, tend to other of those priorities, sort of uh, taking care of them um, in a way. So it was, a, a, and then a remarkable exercise for people to really. That, that, that was a lot of hard work to decide you have you have to pick between your offspring kind of uh, uh, slicing and dicing there,
2: yeah, yeah and 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 I think the 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 program uh, a, a, the ending of the program is often determined by the leader. so he can ask okay. for. Uh, the recorder at each table to give us some feedback for about the discussion that occurred at that table or we can he can do what what uh, Dr. Wernfinning did last night because he has such mastery of the topic that uh, people he can invite people to ask questions and make comments uh, in in the full forum of the 125 people or so who were there so we try to give the leader of that evening some discretion as to as to how they want to handle that but just to give people an opportunity to 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 air you know some some thoughts that may have come up during the course of the discussion at the tables cuz there's some fairly you know fairly good people there who have a lot of experience so
0: and i want to laud the the group that were the, the, as a whole the, in my casual observation of their critical Adre- critically addressing democratic values and how those are exported, whether they should be exported if there if there is any indication of any uprising that's yielding that with the kind of light at the end of the tunnel that the presenter offered at the end as well. After the uh, the French Revolution, you know, we're talking a couple of centuries for this to all settle in. So the Arab Spring isn't going to put democracy in, install it on the dime, but this this is a very, sort of a a self-reflective exercise for an American constituent to consider. Democracy,
1: how, when, and who? You know, I find that, personally, that this provides a wonderful resource for me to interact Mm -hmm. with my friends and my family, because constantly I'm involved in discussions with, that oftentimes people have no background in terms of the topic and they, they they parrot comments that they've heard on TV or some other place. And it's been wonderful to be able to come away with what the background, the issue, and the history has been as we maneuver our way through these multiple issues in our country.
0: And I think there are there's a sort of sliding scale of uh, sophistication of, of working on this. So I think the public's really in for a treat to uh, – it's accessible to everybody and – a, a treat to learn from, contribute to a forum like this where so much,
1: so much. Well, it was you, interesting last night yes? when, when the presenter gave us seven priorities. Yes, that was. And, and the last present, the last comment that was made talked about economic development in the country and the end of terrorism uh, over all those other issues and, uh, and those, if you look at those, those basically have long-range impacts. If those were to happen, this, these issues would change. Indeed. Indeed. Well, I, I'm i afraid
0: we're running down on the time. I want to give you both a chance just to give us the logistics, where to go, when, and I'll post all of them on the podcast summary so people can read it after taking quick notes here. St. Mark,
2: Mark is in Newport Beach at 2200 San Joaquin Hills Road. We start promptly at 7 p.m. on Monday night, and we end promptly at 8:30. No matter what's going on, we,
0: yes, it's hard we, to, we, to cap that. We promise
2: people an hour and a half and some really good cookies and coffee. That's a, that's. A, but we end at 8:30, and people can order a book online. Just go to fpa.org for the wonderful briefing book, and. They could also call the church for any further information. That's 949-645-1341, and they'd be, but they are welcome to just come on Monday night. And I think the biggest compliment of all is when people who have been through the series come up to us and say, you know, I'd like to start one of my own in my neighborhood or in my club or in my church, and... um, we we think that that's just great so that's i think our biggest compliment when you say herb
1: absolutely
0: yes well i want to thank herbert fisher and Beryl smith very much they're both congregants at st mark's they are presenting the great decisions at Newport Beach, at their congregation, you can go. You can turn one direction and go shopping, and the other you can go thinking. I guess that's that's the intersection. <laughs> that's Those true. are the choices. <laughs> Good
1: point.
2: <laughs> Thank you very much. So for they're having providing
0: us. us for our consideration this beautiful forum that started last night. If you're listening to this show live, uh, the tw- January 25th continues through March 14th, and after learning about this special and annual forum, we'll return to the program with Ali Shakari, who's going to bridge us to many of the int- uh, these intractable debates that were brought up last night. We'll be right back after a short station break. Don't go away. Welcome back to Ask a Leader. The track we're listening to playing out this section was Khalif, and it's entitled Sunrise. My next guest is Ali Shakeri, an Iranian-American businessman and activist. He graduated from the University of Texas with a business administration degree. Now retired from financial consulting, Mr. Shakeri continues to serve on the Community Advisory Board of the Center for F- Citizen Peacebuilding at UCI. He is also founding and an active member and Please, Ali Shakari, tell us what EJI stands for, is fully named, the Hade Jomhuri Kh-
3: Oh yeah, and uh, Unity for Making a Secular Republic, Republic in Iran. Uh, I had to Etahade mention that. Jomhuri Khan, Iran.
0: Okay, or EJI, folks, if you're working on the shorthand. He has, over the years, always made himself available in relationship building, everything from a student forum on politics to an international reception honoring Nobel Peace Laureate Shirin Ebadi. These are the places that I personally had the pleasure of meeting and conferring with him when I don't get to see him in person. I'm the beneficiary of his many emailings, some of which are in full on Farsi that mark another hopeful achievement or opportunity on the horizon. Ali Shakhri was one of four dual nationality Iranian-Americans detained by the Iranian government in May of 2007, you may recall, and during his 144-day detention, 140 days of those, he was held in solitary confinement. On the heels of the recent prisoner trade negotiated between Iranian and U.S. governments and as Certainly, and hopefully, many back channels continue to be open. We have the opportunity to hear from Ali Shakari once again on the show. While also appearing on all the major news outlets, he comes to us today from Lake Forest. Welcome back to Ask a Leader, Ali Shakari.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So, Ali, because you are my friend, I'm going to be a little bit more informal, if everyone will allow. I approach this topic with utter care and concern about your reliving a struggle for which you did not have any chance to prepare. You were a financial analyst leading the good life, active in democratic processes, all here in Orange County, California. You were grieving your mother's recent death. Tell us what you endured then during that detention that can inform us about what the recent hostage exchange between the U.S. and Iran may potentially, what they have endured.
3: In in the spring of uh, 2007, when I took a trip from Los Angeles to Tehran because of I heard my mom was so ill, and uh, that time was in tip of the confrontational environment between uh, Bush administration and uh, Ahmadinejad administration. That was a time when I was there. I was uh, accused of uh, making soft revolution. And I was taken to prison, and I spent 440 days, and uh, with uh, harsh interrogation, uncertainty, and loneliness. Finally, I was uh, released in the fall of 2007, and until the fall of 2008, I went twice from U.S. I flew back to Iran to uh, appear in court, and hopefully. And I am so happy about it that uh, all the charges been uh, dismissed and dropped with uh, on the base of baseless. And uh, I am trying to put it in the past because uh, for building the future, today is a gift. That's why they call it present. I want to oh. take the present so important and build up my future for peace and justice in Iran and world.
0: Well. That was so poetic. I didn't even see that coming. The present is what that is. Well, speaking of the present, then, is it a present? Why do you think that this exchange last month, why do you think it happened now?
3: Because I, I think, the, the, first of all, the, the deal between Iran and U.S. happened because both sides need it the deal the real deal that for uh, for uh US lifting the sanction and Iran uh dismissing and getting rid of all those uh, uranium and also uh the any capability of making any atomic bomb. And I believe Iran had not usually or generally had not had the intention of making making atomic bomb. But because of the strategic area which Iran is located, U.S. wanted to make sure that's not going to happen. And Iran gave that U.S. that assurance. At the same time, U.S. and Europe and United Nations lifted the sanction. And And this occasion, I thought, I believe that they thought is the best time to get rid of those, uh, um, you know, uh, human uh, agony, which those people been arrested seven years from Iranian side. They claim that they, are, uh, they were innocent and also five from this side in Iran. And I'm so hopeful, so happy for 12 families and 12 people. Which they've been released and family been uh, enjoying having them back to their own home.
0: Well, it's now 2016. A long way. Many summit meetings. Many back channel tete-a-tetes later. How do you see U.S.-Iranian relations now compared to 2001, or we go back to, to uh, 1979?
3: In uh, if I start from 1979 the revolution. Usually, after any revolution in the recent uh, century, U.S. always had a history of sanctioning them. Bolshevik revolution in uh, Russia, Chinese revolution—all the revolutions been having trouble, and even in Vietnam, changing uh, U.S. invaded and U.S. lost. 50, I mean, uh, fifty thousand and. Uh, uh, Vietnamese lost millions. Iranian revolution, when they come, usually the revolution happened in a revolutionary environment. They want to talk about expansion. They want to talk about chanting of that and this. And the neighbors get uh, worried and nervous. That was the first time when revolution happened. And following that, uh, revolutionary environment encouraged those students to... Uh, Invade American embassy, which was against the law and against the international law, and it was uh, it was very wrong. And uh, finally, when that happened on that time, Iran was suspicious about U.S. intention of not making coup d'etat again because 1953 CIA, uh, with British cooperation, they made. Uh, Coup in 1953 and overthrown nationalist government, uh, democratic and nationalist government of Dr. Mossadegh, and Iran was worried about that. U.S. is going to do it again, and they going to they done it preemptively and invaded the, uh, American embassy, which I which I say completely was wrong, and calling uh, U.S. big Satan. Following that, unfortunately, the after the one after one, and the U- U.S. give the green signal to Saddam Hussein to invade Iran, and Iran looked at it as a U.S. plot against Iran. Then following that, when sometimes the Iranian administration were were ready to make a tango with Americans, Americans were not ready, when Americans, they were ready on that time. Iran was not ready, and finally, in 2003, when Iranian, they were completely ready and help U.S. Yes. for Afghanistan and Iraq. Unfortunately, Cheney, uh, Cheney and Bush ad administration call act, Iran acts of evil and try to change the regime because of those uh, those um, events and incidents. Happened. Unfortunately, the relationship was on the base of mistrust and misunderstanding and misrepresentation. Finally, we came to the time. First, there is a terrorism which is is a monster in uh, Middle East happened, and second of all, after the so-called uh, uh, spring revolutions and the spring uh, the changes in in middle east which all end up you know in riot and in the, uh, in the mess situation you us find out where those kind of things is happening, mainly they were coming from Saudi Arabia and Wahhabi's ideology of Saudi Arabia, which were spreaded on the last few decades in the Middle East and the Us find out that they have to have a balance of uh, Sunnis Arabs like uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran, both of them to put them together, put them on the table, and create peace. In yes. order to do so, for example, making a peace in Syria, U.S. could not do it, and no one in the world could do it without the balance of the power between Sunnis, Saudi Arabia, and Shi'as, uh, Iran. Okay. Finally, they uh, came up to this and this conclusion, and Iran came to this conclusion because they needed to run their economy, and they did. They were really scared of the terrorism coming from ISIS, and U.S. find out they cannot. Close their eyes with with ISIS right. rising, and Iran find out they cannot defeat ISIS without the US and West and world, and Iran cannot survive with this kind of uh, heavy sanction. Finally, they have they end up having Tongo, and I am so happy that Tongo happened. Yes, which is a couple of weeks ago, everything was lifted, and the relationship is restored. I am so happy about it.
0: So I I guess I'd like to take many of the references you've made all the way back from 1953 forward, that there was this lack of balance. The tango was with uh, somebody had three legs, somebody had two legs, but the, this distrust going from the Dulles's, uh setting up the coup in in Iran in 1953, the the uh, distrust from the hostage taking in 1979, the distrust from the the Bush-Cheney administration, they there there was an emissary on their way. They fumbled. They didn't appear, and that was that. Closed the door on an an Iranian-American detente of sorts. I mean, all of this. Just so, would you give us just a moment here? As we've, we're going to try to cover a whole lot of things in a very limited time, but would you see that perhaps did the Obama administration provide just an added ingredient that? Started to dissipate that distrust and create the right kind of circumstances for a, a kind of back channel and formal channel kind of discussion to bring us to where we are with this agreement we have.
3: Let's today with the short time we yes. do I have, concentrate in today's event. What as as you mentioned, what happened in the past. Is create the situation yes. for both governments, not just administrations, to understand that the time is at the right time, and they have to do, they have to make a right move. Clinton, I remember those time he was with Albright wanted to do something, wouldn't didn't happen, and um, Clinton done it with Vietnam. Some people disagree. Obama done it with Cuba. Some right wing warmongers disagree, like Mario, like, I mean, I forgot his Marco name.
0: Marco
3: Rubio. Yeah, Marco Rubio. Those people, they are looking for war. They are not looking for peace. And Iran was a time. I think Obama took the best move, best time to move, and took that opportunity to make it fruitful. How? U.S. wanted to make sure. Uh, Israel, the alliance to U.S., and the other alliance, they are safe from any atomic bomb. Now they are more sure that the safest deal ever happened in the history of mankind, which is no possibility, no intention and no possibility to have an atomic bomb. Iran, U.S., wanted to have a peace in Syria that's the best opportunity to influence Iran power to do so. Example, who got rid of the chemical uh, chemical weapons in Syria? Iran did help with okay, the help wow. of uh, Russia. Who helped Syria to come to the table with other powers in the first and the second uh, meeting in Vienna, which Iran participated in the second? Right. Iran did it. Without Iran, they couldn 't do so, and who helped uh, this peace started from moving some rebels from some area of Syria and start talking Iran helped that and now the only obstacle as as u s experts mentioned is Turkey and Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia wanted to make he claimed he wanted to make a peace in Syria, but without Iran. If you are accusing Iran as uh, having influence in uh, Syria, then we have to use them to make a balance for peace. That was a, that was the fruit and the result and the conclusion which U.S. came up with, and that was the right way. Using the bomb and bombardment and creating another war in Middle East after what happened in Libya, what happened in Syria, what happened in Afghanistan, what happened in Iraq, which the Iraq was mother of creation of ISIS and all the mess in Middle East, U.S. government, not just Obama administration, find out they cannot do it, and I am so happy, Iranian, they find out. Iranian administration after Ahmadinejad they find out chanting is not going to help fighting is not going to help uh, having a strength is coming with the peace on the table that's the conclusion of any war end of any war must be peace that was a time this happening and i am see it happening what i am hoping as a peacemaker as a peace builder is I've been, you know, following for 30 years and advocating dialogue and relationship between Iran and the U.S. I'm so happy that happened. It's a win-win, because the peace in the 20th century was a breaking back of the other side. None of the, none of the backs been broken at all, and all of them they are, have a sovereignty and have dignity. They talk on the table and they end up to fruit, the best example today. Remember that uh, two boats mistakenly went right. in the territory. Right. If it was any other situation it would take months and years. They solve it within 16 hours. Why? Because of the trust, established relationship, and the phone calls is as a tool in a state aiming weapons to each other. That's a situation is happening and that's why I'm so happy about it. And I hope following the release of those those 12 people from both sides political prisoners in iran they're going to have more freedom and the leader of the green movements they've been uh they, they've been so a uh, patriot to iranian interest to be released as soon as possible and i'm hoping this in this future election which is going to happen next month in iran iranian government the way they dealt with the u.s and west the same way they do deal with the iranian as a respect and compromise understanding and harmony to encourage for participation and not banning any person to run as a candidate in semi purely democratic Election. I know we don't have a democratic election in Iran, so I'm not really um, in in delusion to have it all. But at least I'm expecting to have a fair competition between the political players in Iran to have a fair chance to participate in election, which is a very, very important election, and I really wish my country, which I was born, to have a successful, to have a dignity, and to have a face up, chin up in the world's community.
0: For those of you who've joined us. My guest is Ali Shakari. He's an Iranian-American national, uh, he's an American citizen, my goodness, peace and democracy activist based in Orange County, posting us on the whole divide in the Middle East and the the uh, rapprochement. I think that's probably the best word to capture so many different aspects of this. I'm going to set aside, we're going to talk about your square of peace. That will try to, let's set that aside as a, a Different topic on a different day. If your time you'll allow us some uh, at a later time, because you brought up so many topical situations right now that I want with the time remaining. We've you've already mentioned the elections. How about how will the hard and the soft lines align themselves in this election? So we can we can, we know it's coming up on February 26th. So give us a little idea what you think is going to be the dynamic here, Ali.
3: On last 37 years after the revolution, Iran never postponed any election. They don't. They had the election every but four the election years in the days of revolution, and after that was more open. But these, now is more restricted. And I'm hoping those uh, moderate and those reformists and our hardliners. Clergies, non-clergies, Muslims and non-Muslims, all of them, they have opportunity to run, which is not the signals of these days uh, is not really good to my understanding and my happiness. I'm not really happy about it that much, and I'm hoping that uh, government in Iran, especially the hotliners, they look at the past, what happened in the last two years. After the good election, open election, which they did not restrict it as much as they wanted to, what the fruit? What happened? Dignity and sovereignty around the world, respect around the world, relationship with the other countries, sanction was lifted. This is good for every frac- political fractions, and not one of them. And I think if they follow that line and they are not banning other uh, reformist candidates to participate, it's going to be more for our national interest, for Iranian uh, security, especially in these days of uh, dangerous and the messy area in the Middle East. Iran needs more than every country, if more than any country in the Middle East, Iran needs National interest with the Iranian powerful. The power in Iran comes from participation of the every fractions inside of the politics for election. Ali, That's can you I'm tell hoping. us?
0: Can you tell us? I'm a- hoping
3: I see I see a speed bump, but I still I'm up. I'm um, you know I'm sometimes upset. I'm very upset, but still I'm hopeful and I'm. Very hopeful after that election, many many things happen, and the line of that the the line which is happening, the policy which is happening in uh, in 1392 of Iranian calendar, which is two years ago, in our politics is 2014 in our calendars. Hopefully that line is going to be followed, and moderation is going to overcome to. Uh, on uh, uh, confrontation and uh, hardlining.
0: So are you hopeful that all sectors of, or the most ever uh, sectors in Iranian society will participate in this legislative election?
3: Yes, I'm, I'm very hopeful which all the sections are going to participate in voting, but I hope the uh, the level field is gonna be level. Okay. Playing field if it's not level, reformists play with the vote okay. and advocation and capturing attention of the voters. But they are using the military power and sanction and uh, banning power against the other reformist candidate. This is not fair and I'm expecting to be more open and fair.
0: Okay, well,
3: so... And, and also, let me, in conclusion, I say, yes. which I say that the last many 10 years, peace in Middle East is imminent, is needed for every countries. The peace is gonna happen when the harmony between the Iran, Shia, Sunnis, Arabs, Israeli Jewish, and also Americans, they have a harmony dedication and heart to make a peace. Hard to make a peace is gonna happen, but hopefully if the peace between Israel and Palestine proceed is gonna help the peace in the Middle East too. We have to do it. We should not lose opportunity. Today is better than tomorrow. That's what I call it, the square of peace. Would happen, will happen, but we have to have commitment to let it happen.
0: Commitment and stay on it. So you're a very involved board member with the Center for Citizen Peace Building. Let's close very quickly, posting listeners with what we can look forward to this year, starting with an event that's going to be held tomorrow, if you're listening to the show live, January 27th, 7, 830 at Crystal Cove Auditorium at UCI Center. And you'll be there, Ali. Yes. Okay. So that's tomorrow, and uh, and if, did you quickly want to mention any other opportunities on the near horizon, if there are any? Maybe not, but it's but certainly for people to watch, Editorial Press, watch uh, the Guardian, Al Jazeera, uh, your other outlets. I'm not sure Fox is covering February 26, but uh, watch all the outlets to see what you can understand is going on. So. Uh, That's where peace comes from literacy, folks. (laughs) You got to read, you got to follow to know, to get get into those gray areas that are where we can understand what's really happening between all of these forces uh, in play here. So Ali, it's so good to have you on the program again. Thank you for your time.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So that was Ali Shakari. He's an Iranian-American peace and democracy activist posting us on the Iranian elections, what has happened with the hostage exchange, what's at stake, and the reminder from him that the present is a gift. I really love that refrain. Then uh, Next week, I'm going to have on, from the law school and school of anthropology, Funmi Areo, she'll call it in, from L.A., a Nigerian Film Festival. They'll be making its way to Orange County at the end of next week. So talk with you next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> ¶¶¶¶ Wahahaha, 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 wahahaha.